This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi everyone, this is Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveller. I'm Lale Arikoglu, and with me, as always, is my co-host Meredith Carey. Hello, everyone. And this week's guest is, well, a bit of a legendary one. Eugene Carroll is a journalist, author, and the beloved advice columnist behind Elle magazine's long-running column, Ask Eugene. And most recently, she hit the road and traveled the country to ask women, living in towns named after women, one big question, which is, what do we need men for? Her experiences are chronicled in her new book called, of course, What Do We Need Men For?, throughout which she exposes the hideous men she encounters and reflects on the many more hideous men she's had to face throughout her lifetime, including one President Donald Trump, who she vividly describes as sexually assaulting her in New York's Bergdorf Goodman in the 1990s. Since New York Magazine excerpted a section detailing the encounter, she has barely left the news cycle this summer. And we are so thrilled to talk to you, Eugene, and thank you so much for taking the time to join us this afternoon. Thank you, Lolly. Hello, Meredith. I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy to have you. This is so exciting. We've been telling everyone in the office all week that we were going to speak to you today. Ah, thank you. So I am curious to kind of get to the book that you just wrote, because I'm curious how you got the idea to go with a road trip to start with. Had you taken a lot of road trips throughout your life? Was that something that you had always had a relationship with? Oh, Meredith. Well, as you said in the introduction, I write the ASCII gene column in L, and I've been writing it for 26 years. And Meredith and Lolly, over the last 26 years, I've noticed that almost every single letter sent by a woman, whether she's complaining about you know her finances, her career, her love life, her children, her religion, there comes a line in almost every single letter where the cause of her problem is revealed, and that cause is men. So uh, for years, I've been telling women, you know, how to get rid of them, you know, to hear the steps you do to get rid of a man. Of course, then I had to end up telling them how to get them back. But anyway, so I got tired of telling women how to get rid of men. And I thought, why don't we just get rid of the buggers, just get rid of the sex entirely? And I thought, well, that's a really good idea, but let's find out if we need men for anything. And so I got in my Prius with my dog, Lewis Carroll, and we went to towns named after women. And when we arrived in a town named after a woman, I would jump out of the car and say, hey, what do we need men for? 
and I've heard you talk about this on your show several times. I went down the middle of the country. I went to, you know, uh, Mariana, Arkansas, and Tallulah, Louisiana, and Marysville, Ohio, and Marys, Lolly. You have talked about the beauty of the middle of America. It is breathtaking. And I talk to women who've been ignored, you know, forever. Nobody goes into Arkansas to ask women what do we need men for, and they they couldn't they couldn't wait to answer me and to help me out and give their reasons. And so it was a fa- it's a great it's a it was a great road trip, great road trip. So firstly, I just want to point out that the Prius had a name, correct? Yes, the Prius is a 2010 Prius, and I painted hand painted uh, big blue polka dots on it. And the Prius's name is Miss Bingley named after the mean girl in Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Which and I'm, I'm just in love. I'm in love with it. <laughs> love with it. Oh, I love that book. I've done Pride and Prejudice over 20 times. But I've also done Persuasion like 20 times and, you know, Emma 20 times. And, oh, you know. Persuasion was the one I could never get through. But what? <laughs> that's a conversation for another time. We can go out for a cocktail and talk about it. Well, well, you understand one of the greatest road trips of all time occurs in Pride and Prejudice. One of the great road trips when they go to look at the lakes and they go, she goes uh, where uh, Elizabeth Bennett gets in the carriage with the gardeners and they go to see Pemberley, remember? Oh, I remember vividly. Yes, that's a road trip to end. There's no road trip that's as brilliant as that road trip. Um, so... On my little road trip, I only wore clothes designed by women, and I only listened to songs sung by women. I only listened to audiobooks by Agatha Christie. I only ate in cafes named after women, and I only fed my dog, uh, Rachel Ray Dog Food. (laughs) What was the research process like to make sure that you hit all of those notes because finding, especially when you're in an unfamiliar area where towns are far apart, finding somewhere to stop, let alone a place specifically that works within that framework is difficult. How did you even start there? Oh, Meredith, that's the fun part. I suggest, you know, you have all sorts of great suggestions for road trips. And if I may call in with my suggestion, If you give yourself an impossible goal for a road trip, it makes it twice as fun. It really does. That was an impossible goal to hit every town named after a woman, you know, from uh, Cynthia, Indiana to Tallulah, Louisiana. That was what I wanted to do. And by God, I think I almost pulled it off. But it's, it's hilarious to have that kind of goal. One time I went on the road and visited all my old boyfriends and I stayed with them. The wives did not appreciate it. (laughs) One time for Outside Magazine, I went on towns, only went to towns named Eden. And I got out of the car and asked these poor people in Eden if they'd ever made love outside. And then I I wanted to take a picture of it. Um, In that that garden of Eden in the Midwest. (laughs) It's so good. And you know who immediately copped to it and said, yes, they had? It was an Amish couple. Ooh. In Eden, Pennsylvania. Of course they'd made love outside. They'd love sex. It's God's gift. It's God's gift. 
They're making love outside all the time up there in Pennsylvania, Eden, Pennsylvania. We haven't got that much else to do if you're Amish. So. Right. Where are you guys? Are you in New York? We're we in are. New York. Yeah, we're um, downtown. Hey, Lala and Meredith, I swear to God, get in the car and go to Eden, Pennsylvania. It's in Lancaster County, and it's the Amish with their beautiful carries. They lived 200 years ago. The women's outfits are so beautiful. It's the handsomest men I've ever laid eyes on. Big, tall, strapping, healthy, young blokes. And I ate that up, you know. And I particularly like talking about sex with the Amish. I, you know, uh, I like it. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new uh, translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. I'm really excited to see whether I can read The Iliad again, whether I'm that literate. I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. <laughs> he can't stop. I mean, and, and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. You really don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. <laughs> Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots, which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far-off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tires, and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. On the what do we need men for a road trip, that was uh, 4,099 miles, and I was gone for a little over a month because I ate it up. You know, once you come into a town, a little screen door town, where people have never talked to an outsider, and then some lunatic jumps out of a polka dot car with a dog who's got an electric blue t- flat top and says, what do we need men for? They don't really want you to go. They want you to stick around and talk. No, totally. I'm curious, you know, when you jumped out of the car, you know, you said that people were really willing to talk to you. Like, what were people's reactions, women's reactions? Who surprised you the most in being open to talk? Uh, Every single one of them 
was open to talk, and I would uh, the like the third word was out of my mouth. Do you mind if I video this? You know, because instead of taping people or taking notes, I just asked if I could video it. You're both journalists. Nobody ever said no. So I instead of transcripts, I came home with videos of these wonderful, wonderful women. The thing is, they wanted to help me out. They wanted to tell me what they need men for. And a lot of them, of course, don't need men because this is, you know, the 21st century. We figured almost everything out. We can do. uh, But it turns out that they really love men. We just don't want them to run everything. Right. Exactly. You know, we're sick of them running everything and uh, we can do everything ourselves. So it was wonderful to talk to women who had been ignored by the by both coasts for what uh, 300 years and i talked to all ages all races i did not talk to one woman over 65 years old who had a good reason uh why she wanted a man every (laughs) they all said nothing every single woman over 65 said nothing. the younger ones you know who were having hot tempestuous love affairs wanted them, you know, for sex. And then the middle-aged, I'm making a general generality here, middle-aged wanted them for companionship and for support and, you know, to, you know, go on trips with, et cetera, et cetera, and to cuddle with on the couch. Um, but when it came right down to it, we can do everything ourselves. Even the farm women in Missouri, you've seen the vast farms in Missouri. These are women who could work the farms by themselves. And they just wanted their men because they like men. That's it. So it's a, it was an interesting um, it was an interesting question to ask. It was a serious question. Women took it seriously. The men took it seriously. And uh, while I was traveling, of course, as women were telling me some of their stories about men were some of them were hair raising, then I started to remember certain hideous men in my own life. And uh, I started I started a list in my on my little car trip. And um, then that's part of the book. A lot of the book is about the trip, the road trip, the great, hilarious road trip. And the other part is this list of the most hideous men in my life. I'm wondering when you were on this trip and you were having these conversations with other women of all ages and of all experiences and reflecting on all these hideous men that you have encountered over the years, did you find yourself remembering experiences that maybe you hadn't thought about for a long time? Totally. Yeah, I, you know, I'm a happy person. I'm a very happy person. The reason I'm happy is I something happens to me. I have it happen to me. I put it behind me and I move on chin up. Seeing as how that's been my way of being a happy person, to start to recall, it's not that I, it's not that I buried them. I never bury anything, but to have it come up again was pretty surprising. And not long after I got home, I sat down, looked through my notebooks, and made the final list. And that took me about I don't know 25 minutes, and it was shocking who was on the list because I was making a list as I was driving. But to see who actually made the final list, that was pretty shocking. When you went into the trip and you planned it, it was right around the time that Weinstein hit the news, from what I recall. Yes, 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 yes. You're exactly right. 
The day Lewis and I walked out, got in Miss Bingley and left my little island, that was the very day Megan Toohey and Jody Kantner, let's genuflect at those names, ladies, dropped the Harvey Weinstein bombshell in the New York Times. And the world shifted. The world shifted. Remember that night? Remember the story started on Twitter? Remember that? Oh, I remember. And then it grew, and then the surge started. And so every night, I was pulling over, trying to get out of, you know, just my backyard on the road trip, but I couldn't. I had to keep pulling over and reading more and more and more Twitter, uh, the reaction to the Weinstein thing. And then everything shifted. Unfortunately, now, it seems we seem to have lost a little headway lately. Have you noticed that? I would agree, I think. I'm probably I'm speaking for myself here, but you get tired and then you get used to headlines and you get used to terrible stories and you read it and I don't think I don't think that I register things in the same way that I did when I read the Weinstein story. Exactly right. You your brain is not capable of being that pure anymore. The Weinstein story pretty much knocked us all out. Then we had Lauer, and then, you know, and then it just followed in that Moonves, they started to topple. And then by the time I came around, you know, later to make an accusation against the president, it did not have, we moved on very quickly for it because a child died in a cage on the border. We can't, we don't have the brains to concentrate on all the horrible things. And then two days later, remember, uh, the president told the four U.S. congresswomen to go back to their country. So we had to move on to that evil. It's, you're right. It's just a different world. We, we can't take in all the continual evil that's happening. And so I'm interested when you mentioned going, you know, right down the middle of the country and you talked about it as a place that has largely been neglected and ignored. These are women who don't have time. Nobody had heard of Weinstein. They don't have time to be checking out Twitter. They really had to work every single second, getting the laundry, cooking, getting the kids ready, doing the two jobs. It was an amazing experience. You know, it's shocking. I have heard, you know, when we talk about women traveling, many times we talk about rich women traveling, you know, airplanes and, you know, staying in Paris. And, but, you know, taking a road trip, which is pretty much uh, within most people's reach, is really an excellent way to travel because you really see parts of the country which are so glorious and people are working so hard and it's great to see our women our fellow women and what they're doing and they're working hard for equal pay and they're not even getting close to it they're getting like 50 percent of what men earn so it was pretty shocking so they don't need men (laughs) they're like no we've all been there before you're planning a dinner party or having family over or even just cooking for yourself when all of a sudden it starts to feel 
overwhelming. Uh, I live in a very small one-bedroom apartment with a very small kitchen. I can't figure out what to serve besides water soup at this point. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. Maybe it's a last-minute party with no menu inspiration, a kitchen with no space, a toddler who will only eat buttered pasta. Name your dinner emergency. We're here to help. Here's how the show works. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then, I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now. Um, I have sort of a two-pronged question, which is, firstly, were there women when you asked that question to who had never considered it before? Yeah. Well, nobody had, never, have you ever considered it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yep, every time we break up, we consider, what am I needing for? I sit on the subway and I just thought, well, imagine, what if this carriage was half full? Oh, wouldn't it be fabulous? Really? <laughs> it would be great. We would run everything. So, yeah. Um, and then my se- second part of the question was, um, out of those women you met, are there any who really stuck with you, whose stories have stayed with you since you've returned back home? Oh, well, yeah, well, several. But she was a tiny, t- very beautiful, long, curly eyelashes. And I met her in the middle of the Mississippi gun show. She was standing behind a counter, and the Mississippi gun show had more firepower inside that pavilion. There were attack, assault rifles, every kind of handgun, uh, bazooka shooters. Uh, They had guns there that would take down a plane. There was more firepower in that pavilion than was set off in the entire battle of Vicksburg. And she is selling stun guns. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I I thought, if anybody in here needs a stun gun, it's this girl and me. And so we had a conversation if she needed men, and she's 19, and she's a college sophomore majoring in communications, and this is what she does to put herself through school. She sells women pink, fuchsia pink, stun guns. And she demonstrated for me, and you can really knock a man to his knees with a stun gun. I loved it. So she stood out. And then at the end of the book, I came up with what we could do with men. But then I decided that certain men are pretty wonderful. And so I made a list of men who could be honorable women. I'm curious if you feel like you got closure or like came to a conclusion to the answer of the question you asked in your book. Yeah, I really want to get rid of them. Perfect. <laughs> no, I don't think we need them. We do not need them. I would like, you know what I want to do. I want to put them all in one place. Well, every man over the 18, boys 17 are allowed to stay with their mothers. But every man over 18 must be put in Montana where we will retrain them, all right? And they're allowed to have conjugal visits. I decided we could set aside um, 
uh, Yellowstone Park for conjugal visits, because I understand women like to visit their husbands and boyfriends. But let's just retrain the buggers. Really? Really? I think Montana's the perfect place. We got to retrain them. And we got to retrain them to stop starting wars and start putting the toilet seats down. (laughs) I love it. I actually have kind of a tangential question because with you being here and being Eugene of Ask Eugene, we knew we had to take advantage of that. So we actually kind of crawled through our Facebook group to get questions from the women in our group to ask you oh. and see what you with your columnist hat on would tell them. So um, one of the women in the group, Charlie, just broke up with her boyfriend. And well, she says better said he just broke up with me. And they were planning to go to Asia for a long trip to Nepal, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Indonesia. Um, she feels devastated and sad. And she doesn't know how she'll be feeling when the trip comes around. But she already has everything flights. The trip is planned. Should she go by herself? What do you think? Absolutely. Go. Oh, my God. What a great trip. Oh, are you kidding? Oh, it's fat. She will discover more things about herself and the world without the boy than she would with the boy. Tell her this is the way to do it. And there was a woman called Nellie Bly, the first woman to go all the way around the world. And she did it in less than 180 days. And she did it wearing only one outfit. So it's a way to discover the world. That's great. Go, go, go. Absolutely. And there was another question from a few weeks ago that uh, came up in the group from Kirst, who was in need of some advice. She lives in Thailand and she had paid for her mother, who she seems super close with, to come and visit her for a girl's trip, spend a few days together and see some new things. But the mother has a boyfriend They don't see eye to eye. She'd have preferred if her mother came alone, but her mother is bringing the boyfriend. She wanted to know if any other women in the group had experienced it and, you know, how to try and mend those wounds. Well, you know, nobody likes their mother's boyfriend. I mean, it's very rare. Usually, you know, mother's boyfriends are real, you know, okay. A lot of them are not very lovable, but the mother here is the important thing. So she should send, you know a note to the mother and say, come on, bring the boy. Let's do it. I plan on loving him. I'm going to make my best effort. Let's have a good time. I just want to see you, Ma, and I want to see you happy. So, you know, fine. What is it, 10 days out of her life? She can get along with the boy. Amazing. I think that's good advice, too. The important thing is the mother-daughter relationship, and she can put up with this mother's boyfriend for 10 days. And she can pretend to enjoy herself. And that'll do it. Well, I think that is very sound advice to end on. Oh, yeah. So you didn't tell me. What do we need men for? Oh, um, oh, God, the fact that I have to think. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, I know what we need men for. We need men to be allies to help us vote people out of office that we don't agree with and to support us taking equal power. That is how we need men. And those are the good men that are out there. Oh, good answer. 
This has been like the best. We had the best time here. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, my God. Thank you for talking to us. It's been such a treat. An absolute blast. Well, if other people who are listening want to keep up with everything that you are up to these days, where can they find you on the Internet? At E. Jean Carroll on Twitter. And then go get What Do We Need Men For? That's how you keep up with me because there's all sorts of fun things in there, ways to get a hold of me because we have to do all, there are all sorts of activities in the book. Yes, with all my email addresses and everything right there. Amazing. Well, definitely check that out. There will be a link to get the book in the show notes. You can find me at Oh Hey There Mayor. You can find me at Lale Hannah. Thanks so much for listening. You can listen to new episodes of Women Who Travel every Tuesday on Spotify and iTunes, and we will talk to you next week. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, host of Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. This week, with the help of Dan Adler and Olivia Nuzzi, we're going inside the media circus swirling around Donald Trump's criminal trial. People want coverage of Donald Trump. There are sort of shades of 2015, 2016. I found it to be a a total break from the reaction to a lot of Trump coverage in the last two years. Join me, Brian Stelter, on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Listen wherever you get podcasts. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.